Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the Cookbook Circle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Victoria. And we've set out to review the UK's most popular cookbooks, those that you probably have at home and haven't opened in a while. We take one cookbook each episode to cook from and to stress test, digging out their best recipes, bringing them to life again, and hopefully inspiring you to do so too. Hello, Victoria. Hello, Hannah. How are you? I am well. Am I ever anything but well? Always well. I mean, we know that the day that this podcast is over is the day that you're like, I'm not well. I'm fed up (laughs) of talking to you about food. Have you seen anything fun in the food world? Yeah, well, first of all, I have seen actual food because things have started opening up and... What have you been cooking all along? (laughs) I mean, I've just got all those play kitchens, you know, that kids have and like, I'm not Ikea food and I just, you know, go to the pretend shop. Anyway, so that's been exciting going out to eat and stuff. I am interested in talking to you about this Epicurious, the food website, the recipe website, no longer posting recipes with beef in them. What's their beef with beef? I longed pause there because I was waiting for it. I was waiting for that. I'm just so predictable. I was wondering, you know, who got to press first with that exact headline. Are you saying that I'm not original? (laughs) No, but seriously. So very seriously, they posted a statement recently to say that they're no longer, no new recipes or social posts or anything will include beef from a cow. And it's a environmental thing. It's a sustainability thing. And yeah, they've gone in on it. And they said they actually have stopped doing it since 2019. They just didn't talk about it. And they actually have moved towards like vegetables, obviously, and fish and chicken and other proteins that are more sustainable. You know, cattle is is objectively bad for the environment in, in the way at least that America consumes it and the UK as well. But I think obviously they're an American website. I just thought it was really interesting. I also thought the backlash to it was interesting there's been quite a lot of angry people you think there wouldn't be because I think it's a, a great thing yeah 
I think if you're trying to encourage people to eat less meat and particularly red meat, then that's a good way to do it. Like don't put exciting recipes in front of people's faces and they won't want to cook it. And it can be a special treat when they go out if they still want to eat. And I think that's the best way. But yeah, there's been a lot of backlash. Some people saying that the science that they've put in their statement is like flawed, you know, and that they've like cherry picked the science to make it sound as bad and dramatic as it possibly can be. And I think... That, that annoys me because all science and anything is cherry-picked to make things yeah. go towards what you want. But also, they're a privately owned website. <laughs> they can do what they want to do. If they don't want to talk about beef, that's totally fine. That's their prerogative. They're not depriving the world of beef recipes. There's a shitload out there already. Yeah, and even still on their site, they're, they're not taking all of the beef recipes down. You can still find them. If you want to eat a burger, then you can. And it hasn't affected their, their traffic or, or their ad sales or whatever. I saw some other people being annoyed at them because, you know, they're saying no beef, but then actually they've got ad sponsors by these like vegan hot dogs, for example, which are made of all sorts of different, you know, there's many ingredients in them. They're ultra processed, blah, blah, blah. But that is a different conversation. I also agree with that. Ultra processed vegan food or vegetarian food is not the answer to the crisis, you know, a health crisis or a sustainability crisis. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting. That is interesting. Do you think that they would not be happy about your beef order for old Julia Child then? No. I mean, I wasn't happy about that. But I'm, I bet they have a beef burger on their website. <laughs> we know a lot of people, and including you, right? You tried to eat more vegan food in mm. January and like, continue to do so. And everyone's trying to make an effort, right? To just, even if, obviously, if you're not becoming fully blown vegan or vegetarian, just to eat less and more sustainably. If they're taking the lead on that, then that's just a nice boon to that whole movement and campaign and it's their want it's their thing to do i don't see why people need to get so people just love hating on things don't they like that's it particularly vegetarians and vegans yeah you know i think it's useful to note that we know that the answer to climate change is not what i eat or what you eat or what anybody individually eats and there needs to be a wider systematic change but like it helps it all helps if you're buying less meat there's less demand for it and so there's less cows etc etc yeah less cows less cows yeah so that's just what's got me interested i'm enjoying reading all the backlash and the interesting articles coming out of it but we're not here (laughs) we are here sorry are we here am i real are you real (laughs) have i been imagining this all along i'm not real i'm actually just a cow on a cattle ranch in oklahoma thanking your lucky stars for one more day of life thanks to epicurious Like somebody ate a cauliflower burger. And I live to see another day. <laughs> no, that is not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about a new cookbook. But before we do that, let's just remind you of what we do here at Cookbook Circle. Please. So I know what to do for the rest of the episode. <laughs> Victoria and I went through uh, all the lists that we could find online of the best cookbooks ever made them into one big master list and then we've taken the top few mentioned cookbooks from that list we cook from them and discuss them and we rate them and this episode's book is (laughs) salt fat 
acid heat by Samin Nosra. Shall I tell you a little bit about Samin? Yes, I am excited to hear about her. Your your little face lit up when you said yes there. I love her. <laughs> I think she's great. She makes me happy. She is great. Have you watched much of the Netflix series on this? I think I've watched Salt. That's where they go to Japan, right? Yeah. I've so obviously I've watched it. Italy is fat. Mexico is acid. And then Heat, which I don't think I've seen that one, I think is in California where she's from. Yeah, so I've seen the first two. It's just lovely viewing. It's like Chef's Table or any of those Netflix produced food shows where it's all just lovely music and like the crescendo is them like biting into something delicious and yeah. cheesy or whatever in their little faces. It's just, yeah, it's, it's very pleasant watching. But anyway, so Samin was born in San Diego in 1979. Her parents had emigrated from Iran three years earlier. The first thing I'll say about her is that there's a lot of really great articles about her online, like on New Yorker website and mm. Eater and The Guardian as well, and just really great profiles about her. She's quite an interesting and fiercely intelligent and eloquent person. So she's definitely worth looking up. But she speaks about like growing up, in her words, a brown kid in a super white world and that she was called a terrorist in second grade and that she was always aware that she was different and she didn't fit in and she tried hard to fit in by being like the nicest the smartest the most polite whatever it is you need from me so that you and your people will accept me which is yeah quite heartbreaking but also I think you can see that so much in her like she is just so warm and so enthusiastic and generous and all those things come across um, and she just comes across as a generally lovely person unfortunate that it came about as a result of that yeah yeah. She's just great. So until she was 15, she said that she was destined to be a doctor, in her words, like every Iranian child. <laughs> but she had an English teacher who kind of spotted her talent for storytelling. And she thought about becoming a writer. And then at first she wanted to be a poet. So she majored in English at the University of Berkeley. Fancy pants. Yeah, I know. It says that she didn't learn how to cook till she was an adult. But I think that's most people, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> I don't think yeah. what you cook up until like, the age. Of, like 17 or 18 unless you're like one of those little weirdos on junior bake-off or junior master <laughs> chef or something I think most people don't start making decent food till they're older but yes yeah, so she the next bit she talks about in this book right where she in 2000 she ate dinner at Chez Panisse which is kind of celebrated as one of the major restaurants in America and she loved it so much that she wrote them a letter detailing her meal and she convinced the management to hire her to bus tables so she started out from like the complete bottom and worked her way up to the restaurant kitchen and she became a cook. She started cooking with um, the chef Alice Waters, who described her as America's next great cooking teacher. No big deal. No Cooking with Alice Waters. Exactly. I think that's what comes across for me. And a lot of this is that she's not just a cook, she's an excellent teacher. It's not, it's, mm. there are so many chefs that we've talked about. They gloss over some of the detail or they don't kind of give you the fundamentals of what you're trying to learn. Whereas I think she is just really good at getting across the why of the cooking or the recipe or yeah after that she apprenticed in Italy for a while I think a year which sounds amazing and then she came back to work in another Berkeley restaurant called Ecolo and then she published this book in 2017 which I think makes it one of the most recent books that we've discussed yeah I bet it is which is kind of a credit to it appearing on all these lists so it won food book of the year by the times of London and was a New York Times bestseller it won the 2018 James Beard award for best general cookbook and a ton of other awards it's basically just won loads of awards it's illustrated by Wendy McNaughton I don't know if you agree but I just love the illustrations in it we could do a whole episode on the illustration 
versions and you can buy them. I don't know if you saw that, like on Amazon, you can buy like a pack of salt, fat, acid, heat illustration, like like posters or prints or whatever, because they're just so beautiful. And funny. Some of them are silly. It's not all just really serious, like food science. But yeah, like I said, there's a lot of interesting profiles of her on the internet. And there's a really good one on The Guardian about the Netflix series for this book that she really looks to champion people from diverse backgrounds and women as well. So when they were looking for chefs and cooks to work with on location for that show, she said it would would have been really easy to just choose the like top Google result, which was typically a man, like a white man. Yeah. And that she'd tell her team to go out and like make more calls and to find the badass ladies of different ages and colours, <laughs> which is just so good. There's an interesting piece on The New Yorker. The title is I Fail Almost Every Day, which she's talking about her kind of weekday veganism that she attempts epicurious vibes where she's just trying to cut down and that she just like forgets and eats a tuna salad or something but she's trying but she speaks really openly in that about depression how she suffers from depression how she goes to therapy how she takes antidepressants that she found it difficult turning 40 last year and all these different things she she never shies away from talking about the kind of issues of diversity and age and mental health and the impact of food and all those things so I just really rate her for that and finally there was a really good piece on eater called salt fat acid heat changes the rules for those who get to eat on tv and it's all about how i thought it was really interesting actually it's all about how typically on food shows it's white men traveling around just being white men basically middle-aged white men love those guys whereas the, the women are typically like the kind of homemakers highly domesticized they're either like models thin and beautiful or else they're like really more the like grandma kind of figure or the aunt kind of figure and then Samin breaks those molds by just being, I don't know what you would say, but quite a normal, accessible person who's not molded into any of those stereotypes. She's just somebody who loves food and she really doesn't hide that when she's trying these different things on TV and she's just so enthusiastic and her enthusiasm is really infectious. And she's just herself. When you watch her, she's she's obviously not trying to be like those other people, right? She's not those kind of second career models who just, you know, they learn to bake and they're like, oh, I can do this as a show because I look like this. So yeah, 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 they're not the kind of, uh, yeah, homely older woman. But I think she's just unapologetically herself. And I, I love that about her. Like, yeah, you're right. It's so infectious. And he's like, I want to yeah. do that. And I want to try that. She just makes it look so easy. And her face when she eats some, like, and, and you get that in the book. There's so many moments where she talks about experimenting with something for the first time or trying some flavor combination for the first time. And I guess because she has these writing roots as well, she's really good at expressing her enthusiasm for that. The good news is that she is working on another book called What to Cook. Oh, great. That should be coming out pretty soon. She's nonstop, hardest working woman in food. Like, she's on everything, basically and and yeah. but, but never she I don't think she like it doesn't seem like she sells out is what I'm trying to say like I mentioned at the end of last episode that she's on that waffles and mochi show yeah it's Michelle Obama's like show about food yeah I still haven't watched any oh it's I mean it's a kid's show but like it's so good like it's such a good idea for to teach kids about food and where it comes from and so like the idea is so there's these two puppets called waffles and mochi and mochi is a little mochi and waffles <laughs> is like this I think he's half like some kind of snow creature they're from like the north pole or something and half waffle like he's got these waffle ears <laughs> anyway so they come from this very cool place where they only eat frozen food and, and they just they love talking about food and so they they go to the world where there's fresh food and they just learn about these different things and oh. they work in the supermarket <laughs> 
It sounds so stupid, but it's a kid's show. But yeah, it's it's brilliant. And she is on the first episode of that, which is about tomatoes. And she's cooking all this stuff and teaching. Oh, it's just so good. And she's just, like you said, she's a good teacher and she's accessible and she's brilliant. And I yeah. um, would like to see more of her everywhere. She had a podcast as well over lockdown That's right. called Home Cooking, where she kind of, she basically just answered readers' questions about how to do stuff. And it was brilliant. There's no snobbery around what she does. It's just about education educating in a really non-condescending way just giving you the building blocks to to just make great food yeah it doesn't have to be really complex what were your first impressions of the book well it's massive it is massive i think if you know anything about salt fat acid heat you know it's massive (laughs) it's a real like chonker of a a book we keep picking the chonkers though well i mean i know know that's what's on the list we're dictated by the list but they're massive (laughs) i've got no room in my house sleeping on piles of giant books (laughs) i do have a slightly embarrassing confession to make in that i didn't have this book before we decided to talk about it but i thought that the heat in this related to like chili to like spice basically whenever it was talked about i thought that that these were kind of It's just like I did no homework on this and just literally took the top level title. I was like, oh, okay, a good dish has a balance of salt, fat, acid and some form of spice or heat. And I've literally said that to myself sometimes when I'm making something, I'm like, oh, what's it missing? And then all along I was fucking wrong. <laughs> it's about like the actual application of heat in cooking something. So lesson to me, once again, read the thing. Stop, stop making assumptions <laughs> I think that's an easy mistake to make I'm sure you're not the only person to have made it but yeah what you thought of the book it's just beautiful right like oh, I just love it I think we're also lucky again and we've said this before about other books usually Ottolenghi's is that the UK version is so much prettier than the American version like yeah. for the front cover at least it's obviously not like a normal cookbook it's not just full of recipes so it's kind of split into two sections right the yeah. salt fat acid heat which is four chapters where she goes into depth about what Mm -hmm. each of them are and how they work it's laid out so brilliantly each of those chapters has a bit about the science a bit about why it's important like little tests that you can do yeah I love that actually yeah me too there's loads of those tests there's one about how like fat carries flavor yeah and how she tells you to fry some garlic in some water and fry some in some oil and then taste remove the garlic and then taste the liquids for both and it's just constantly like I'm not just teaching you this you can't just take this for granted go away and like explore it yourself and then you'll see what I'm talking about and that's probably a a better way for you to learn right yeah absolutely I think that it's like the first we've talked I think with other books that we've come to so far and said oh it'd be really good for like a beginner or if you're learning to Mm. cook but like this one is I think the ultimate one of that like it really just gives you tools to be able to figure out meals and you can tell that's what she's trying to do throughout she's like I'm not dictating what you should cook or how you should cook it's just here are the building blocks of good food and why and the more that you know the better your food will be exactly I think the other books we keep harking back to the same ones but like the the kind of encyclopedic ones how to eat roast chicken and other stories Mm. those different ones they try to teach you through recipes mostly whereas she is the theory is there the first half of the book is entirely based on the theory and and how that applies with the science behind everything and different applications and because even if you don't love the recipes or if you don't use the recipes that much the first part is just a really interesting 
and read about stuff that I didn't even I'd never thought about before yeah also we talked about it before but the diagrams and the wheels and the explanations are all just so good and like so useful even even if you don't have time to like read every single word of what she's telling you so there's like pull out wheels about different flavors and different fats and where they're used in the world and and how that all kind of layers and acids and things like that I just think that's brilliant and one I was really excited about actually it would like I was surprised at myself about because as we know I don't love baking maybe as as much as I I should or or you would think because it's just it's too sciencey for me it's too you have to get it right but there's this one thing in there it's in the fat and it's just about how different breads and pastries use fat did you see that one it's like yeah it's like a venn diagrams of of how they all goes together and, and where, yeah. whether it's kneading or whatever and i just thought oh that's so good it just made me like want to do more of like of, of pastry and baking yeah did you see that she um she pulled a victoria when she was working in chez panisse <laughs> No, maybe I missed one. I don't know. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what do you think I might be? Let's, let's explore all these options. No, she um, she, she hates potatoes, <laughs> baby potatoes. She she just tells us a, a little story about how she grabbed some parsley instead of coriander at some point. Uh, a classic. <laughs> do you feel validated now? Yeah, me and Samin. <laughs> best friends forever <laughs> isn't it beautifully written as well yeah like you can t- like you said you tell that she's a writer oh i love her <laughs> she makes working in a kitchen sound really great because she obviously is so filled with enthusiasm and yeah it's just so open to learning about stuff and i would say really openly that i've struggled <laughs> with working in a professional kitchen it's <laughs> bloody hard it was she's just so happy to be there and she's like every day's a school day she's like, literally every mistake is oh but then i learned that you know you should add the salt at this point instead and you're like oh <laughs> mate you are just so full of positivity we just need more people like you Maybe that's what happens when Alice Waters is your <laughs> fucking Maybe. teacher and mentor. <laughs> exactly. So, what did you cook? What did I cook? So, I cooked two things, both quite simple, yet quite involved recipes. They felt very satisfying. So, the first thing I cooked was the chicken pot pie. Oh, nice. Yeah, because who doesn't like a pie? Yeah. And we'd had a bit of a rainy, bit of a cold weekend here, right? So it was like, oh, this is the perfect thing to cook. Mm. Bit, like I said, bit labor intensive, this one, but absolutely worth it. Just to, I guess, a chicken pot pie is a pie with just a pastry lid. And some pot. And some pot. That's a different cookbook. That's just, that's your cannabis. That's bog appetite. <laughs> that old classic combo. Comfort food at its finest. Yes. So just a pastry top you can use whatever you want in terms of chicken she says to do a have a whole chicken and break it down and there's a lovely diagram about how to break down a chicken you just tell it it's really shit (laughs) (laughs) you're a piece of shit you're ruining the environment (laughs) right what do you do to make this chicken i had chicken thighs so you have to brown all the chicken thighs off put them to the side and then you cook up the vegetables which are carrots onions mushrooms and celery a classic combination you then add the liquid which is wine so you you quickly deglaze the pan with the wine cream stock chicken stock Mm -hmm. 
add the chicken back in, bring all that up to a boil for a few minutes. So the kicking, the, t- the kicking, the kicking cooks. <laughs> the chicken is not kicking anymore. Let me tell you. <laughs> so you simmer that all together. Then you take the chicken out again. Then you do like a really cool chefy thing, which I loved. Ooh. You take the sauce. So you've, what you've got left is obviously the sauce off the heat and it like separates. And then you ladle all the fat off. Oh yeah. And then you add some flour to the fat, which makes a roux. You know, mix all that up. Add some of the cooking liquid kind of back in and then put that all back in the in the sauce so that it thickens up the sauce nice and lovely. Ah, that's fun. Yeah, I felt like, you know, I could work at Chez Panisse after that. Like, I felt very <laughs> cool and fancy. And then you shred the chicken and the skin, which I thought was interesting. So you, you leave the skin on, obviously, while you're cooking. And then she said to shred the chicken skin, which I wasn't sure about. So I didn't do all of it. So I was like, I get it. I understand it. It's got that fat and it adds that flavor. But I was like, I don't know if I want to find pieces of chicken skit. I don't know. So I needed half. Put that back in. Then you also add peas at this point and then kind of bring it to the boil. And that's it. That's your filling done. And it's so good. Like it, it tastes like the best chicken pie you could ever want. Like you could ever make yeah. at home. As we know, I don't make pastry. Although there is a recipe for pastry. So I bought a sheet of puff pastry and put it on. It's a massive recipe. Yeah, they are all quite big, I think, actually. Really big. So I, I froze some of the filling and we had it for a number of days. But um, yeah, so I made it in my raw cast iron, mostly because I wanted to look like one of those, you know, pioneer woman style, like <laughs> American home cooks <laughs> on the photo. <laughs> it's just this pie that I just whipped up. I just knocked up today whilst, I was, whilst the kids were at school and I don't have anything else to do. It was great. It really was nice. I thought maybe it would be too rich. And it was rich, mm. but it was, you know, it wasn't like, oh God, I can't eat any more of this. It was, it was really nice. I think that's obviously it helps not having loads and loads of pastry on top yeah, of exactly. a really lovely filling. Yeah. I was into it. It was great. I would definitely make it again. It, it was, like I said, it was a bit involved. Also because her big salt thing with meat, right, is that you should salt it the day before, like 24 hours before. That's right. And I didn't have that kind of time. So I did leave it a couple of hours in the fridge salting you see that in her show as well right she talks about that and just have it salted for as long as possible and I just think that is interesting and new to me it is interesting she's got some helpful like diagrams about it I find myself Mm. now I can't use salt without thinking about her (laughs) is that weird (laughs) (laughs) no I mean she'd be thrilled to know that I'm sure because she talks about salting the water that you're cooking stuff in loads right and that it should be salty as the summer sea in everything (laughs) so it's all about kind of infusing salt at the right stage so you can make water that you're doing vegetables in really salty because they're only in there for a few minutes and you're discarding Mm. most of the water but if it's something that is ultimately absorbing the water then it shouldn't be that you know extremely salty and she hates iodized table salt she talks about really like fervently about how she's not a fan so I find myself now being like oh shit I just picked up some Malden in the shop the other day because I was feeling guilty that I was using this other shitty stuff so yeah it's definitely definitely made an impact there I think it's funny because she obviously says that about table salt and you hear that a little bit but then other chefs will say look your table salt will do everything pretty much in your cooking Mm. so it's difficult I mean obviously I believe her more more than anyone else because I think she's the best yeah, I mean, you're not going to, how good is a piece of like flaky Malden salt on a cookie or something sweet? You're not going to sprinkle some table salt on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 
Shit. So screw those other guys. Samine's right. I did enjoy in the salt section her diagrams of hands. Like how to do a sprinkle, how to do a handful, how to do a palmful. I know. Like, that was really useful. Yeah, I saw her doing it in the show and it was like really slow-mo. Yeah, she literally tells you how to sprinkle the salt. That's how detailed this all is. It's it's yeah. nuts. What was the second thing that you made? So the second thing I made was pasta al pomerola. Pomerola. What's in a pomerola? So it's it's a tomato sauce, basically. Okay. And we know that I love a tomato sauce. We do. We, uh, we know I like to try to cook them. I think they're fun. The last one I did was Jamie's, which was not so great. Vinegary, right? Yeah, too acidic. You could have learned a thing or two about <laughs> balancing flavour. Oh, burn. <laughs> I think Samin could beat Jamie Oliver in a fight of all sorts of proportions. <laughs> That's what I'd like to see. So Italy, the big Italian supermarket just opened in London, which you know, of course, because we went together. Yeah. So that's exciting but what that really meant is apart from that I got to see Hannah and that's great that I got to <laughs> I got to pick up some San Marzano tomatoes oh yeah oh you sly little thing you never said that's what they were for <laughs> well I didn't know that that's what they were for I had to go back and get two more cans oh, <laughs> you needed four cans of this thing and I didn't want to mix them up with like shitty Tesco tomatoes and know. see how they went so I went back yeah so that's amazing I mean we know and I've mentioned on this before I have a thing about tomatoes and how like I just think they taste like shit unless they're real good usually Italian yeah or you know anywhere in Europe actually yeah that isn't the UK UK isn't in Europe anymore lest we forget yeah that's true well, we are still in Europe we're not just marooned on our own continent <laughs> I bet there's some people who'd like us to be though <laughs> yeah I bet there fucking is just get a big old stick and push ourselves away from the mainland <laughs> like all those people to do that to themselves on some other island please <laughs> we said we wouldn't get political <laughs> sorry yes so I had these lovely Samazana tomatoes mm. so I knew it was probably going to be delicious so she has this lovely bit at the top actually of the recipe that talks about how yeah yeah it's boring people go on about the best tomato sauce whether you should add garlic whether you should add tomatoes you might need some tomatoes in a tomato sauce <laughs> yeah I mean sorry I meant onions <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm grinding your gears today. Oh, yeah, you're really <laughs> rattling my cage. <laughs> tomatoes in this recipe <laughs> FYI but there is also onions which is a controversial thing also she starts off and she, very Julia in the in the beginning of this recipe and says you need to do this in an <laughs> an unreactable dish it's not quite a f- fireproof casserole dish but it must be unreactable I wish I was more unreactable <laughs> yeah, me too I need an unreactable coating <laughs> it's a really simple one but it has a fun little flourish at the end of course so it's just cook off the onions, add some garlic, add the tomatoes, let them kind of simmer down for about 40 minutes. It's quite difficult. She says it's a subtle change to when tin tomatoes are done because they take away that kind of tinny taste. Yeah. Anyway, so once that's done, you can choose either basil or oregano to go in it. Chef's choice. What'd you pick? Yes. Basil, because you can never fucking find a fresh oregano here, can you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was dried. She wanted dried oregano ah. anyway, so I went for that. Nice. So, sorry, you lose. <laughs> I am non-reactable, it's fine. (laughs) And then you add 175 milliliters of olive oil. Ooh, yeah. 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 Bloody great. Just like pouring out this olive oil, like my expensive olive oil, like crying, like this better be good, Samin. 
Which, yeah, it gets a bit like dicey because it creates this emulsion, but there still is sometimes like a bit of oil on the top. And you're like, well, a lot of oil on top. So is this going to go in? Or am I just, have I done this mm. wrong? Like, how am I going to get there? But we got there in the end. And then you you make it smooth with a hand blender. And then it's good to go. And you just have it with um pasta, obviously. <laughs> what type of pasta did you have it with? So she suggests spaghetti, bucatini or rigatoni, I think. But we oh. had we had both bucatini and rigatoni, but not enough to serve both of us. <laughs> so yeah. we used um we had some pappardelle so we used that oh it was so good it was so so good with pasta but it was also good i had some I had some the next day as a dipping sauce for a cheese toastie a cheese and ham toastie then true american style and then this is also harking back to when we saw each other recently we had a pizza fritta together recently yeah. right where dip was like a aioli with this tomato sauce on top yeah. that you dipped in but there was no tomato in the pizza right yeah that was what was good it was all just really balanced it wasn't too much tomato or anything else yeah so i've also done that a couple of times i've drizzled a bit of this sort because again it was a massive recipe i've got loads yeah. um so i drizz- drizzled it over a little bit of mayonnaise or whatever and then use that as a dip oh. uh, because it's just so good yum but i mean that's the kind of thing that you don't mind making in bulk right because you just find so many uses for it then or you could probably freeze it if you needed to yeah i popped some in the freezer because that it's like the perfect dish for when you just don't have anything in and you just want to cook it yeah so yeah love them both would make them both again particularly the tomato sauce that's one of the better tomato sauces that i've cooked i think wow. particularly i like that it has onions in it yeah that's what i cooked what did you cook hansy <laughs> hansy <laughs> why they fired me from my last job <laughs> I made a couple of smaller things just kind of by chance because I was <laughs> genuinely just lacking inspiration for dinner and I made one of the dressings she's got a whole section on dressings which is really good mm. again it's useful because she just gives you the dressing recipe and then at the bottom says this would be great on this type of salad or these noodles or this pasta and it's just you kind of have to just use your initiative a little bit can't relate don't know about that <laughs> um, so I made the peanut lime dressing Ooh. Oh, that sounds nice. Just love anything with peanut because it has peanut butter in it. And I love peanut butter very much. I go through quite a lot of it. But it's a bit Thai. It's got lime, lime juice, fish sauce, rice wine vinegar, soy sauce, ginger, jalapeno. Couldn't get one of them. You can never see fresh jalapenos here. I don't understand. No, never. Bullshit. Anyway, and then you blitz all that up with peanut butter. And I literally just had it with some noodles and vegetables. And it was really great. I did actually add a bit more peanut butter. But I think that says more about my own crippling addiction than than the recipe. It was just really yummy. Sounds great. It's it's quite like just creamy and green. So you feel kind of healthy. And it was just really good. And then another small recipe that I did was her garlicky green beans. I don't know if you saw that one. Oh, no. And again, it's just super simple, but you cook the green beans in water that's, you know, salty as the summer sea. Of course. And then you put them back in the pan. And she always does this thing with garlic, which I find quite interesting. You have your like main food in the pot and then you make like a little well in the middle and you put your olive oil in there and you put the garlic in there for like 30 seconds so that it cooks a bit. Yes, that was the same as the tomato one. Yeah. And then you mix it out all with the rest of the food so that it doesn't burn. Mm. I think that's quite genius, actually, because it's just so easy to burn garlic. Really good little hack. So you do that with the green beans and they are really garlic. <laughs> it's in the name but they yeah it was just an interesting way to have them and I always have some in the fridge so that was quite good but the kind of core big two things that I cooked were the olive oil and sea salt granola oh yeah shaking it up aren't I oh 
this, that shocked me. I'm excited to hear about it. And I saw that recipe. I thought it looked great. I thought I'd like to eat that. So I hope there's some in the post towards me right now. Um, sure. But <laughs> <laughs> she talks about it's, I think it's a brand of Nikesia Davis's granola. I don't know. I don't know who that is, but maybe it's the thing in America and maybe yeah. our lovely American listeners can tell us about it. But so she went to Nikisha Davis, I think, and got the recipe for this. And it's just so good. So it's oats, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds, coconut chips, pecans, the best oh. pea nut. <laughs> you mix it all together with maple syrup, a ton of olive oil, 125 mils, actually, some brown sugar and mold and sea salt. And you can add some sour cherries and dried apricots if you want at the end. But basically, you just mix all that up in, in a big bowl and you yeah, just make sure everything's coated. And then you spread it out in a baking tray and you just bake it for like an hour. And you, well, I think she says 45 minutes, but it took closer to an hour for me. And you just stir it every 10 minutes and make sure that it's all being browned evenly. Oh my God, it sounds so good. Honestly, it's bloody great because it's salty, basically. That's why it's mm. great. And it's got the deep savouriness from the olive oil, but then, you know, the sweetness of the brown sugar. And it's just really lovely. I gave some to a friend who also enjoyed it. So that friend wasn't me. So that's <laughs> fucking rude. No, my other one. You know, there's. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Just you two guys. I'm jealous. <laughs> Next time. So that one was really great. I would just recommend. And it's not very labor intensive. It's just, it can be, I guess it's a little bit pricey. Yeah, I was going to say pecans and pecans, pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. Yeah, maple syrup can be pricey as well. So not the cheapest thing to make, but definitely worth it. But neither is good granola, right? If you buy a bag of nice granola, it lasts for two days because it's so delicious and it's like seven quid. Yeah, and you don't know what shit they're putting in there. Like, I think a lot of them have a, quite a lot of sugar and stuff in there. Yeah. If anyone's entertaining thoughts of granola making, follow through. Also, it could be like a Christmas present or something, like put it in little bags. Or... Yeah, exactly. The second thing that I made was the Tuscan bean and kale soup. Oh. Mm. I think the reason why this caught my eye is I think there's a really good one in Marks and Spencer that's called like Tuscan bean and kale. And I was like, oh, yeah, shit, I'm going to I'm gonna have a go at that. <laughs> um, this is a massive recipe, actually. It says it serves six to eight. But Jesus, I was eating it like all week for lunch. <laughs> there's a lot there. So if you're making this one, you could probably have the recipe. You soften some onion and celery and carrots. You do a little trick with the garlic as well when they're cooked. And mm. then you add... Add some tin tomatoes and beans. She does encourage you to soak your beans, which you would have done. We know I didn't do. I bought some cannellini beanies in a tin. <laughs> Canned bean girl is what they call you on, on the streets. <laughs> and then parmesan. And you put in the rind of the parmesan as well. Oh, nice. Into the soup, which I've seen Nigel Slater do before, you know, when he's around here at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> He's your other friend, right? Just you and Nigel. He's the one who <laughs> ate the granola. <laughs> we loved it. And then you put in two bunches of kale, which I don't know how much is in a bunch. So I've just got like an Uber bag of kale. I wasn't at the farmer's market to be perusing the bunches. <laughs> and you put in some Savoy cabbage as well. Oh. I didn't 
love the recipe. I'm not going to lie, but I also do think that greens vary quite a lot. Sometimes like kale or chard that we get here. I see that a lot of American recipes about just greens of all types and they always just look way nicer (laughs) over there. I don't know Mm. what we're getting here or what I'm buying specifically. I think it's also like supermarket kale is probably not the same as like farmer's market kale or you know whatever yeah I think that is definitely a thing and also if you had cooked the beans you use some of the liquid from them in the soup but because I didn't do that I think I probably lost a little bit of the flavor there as well Mm. but it is great it's nice and you feel quite virtuous eating it because it's packed with kale and tomatoes and shit like that yeah but I did find myself adding those lawn spicy chili beans yeah now I (laughs) add to absolutely everything to just have a bit of spice in there you can freeze it as well so I've done that because it yeah I'd eaten it like five days in a row and I needed a break our freeze is just full of Samin Nosrat recipes (laughs) yeah but she suggests that you can do variations on it with pasta or adding bread and torn croutons and stuff which I think would be really nice just for a little bit of a different texture in there as well as long as the pasta is you know cooked in a pan that's salty as the summer sea (laughs) that's all that we ask of course if you take one thing away from this episode (laughs) is that you need to be cooking stuff in the summer sea (laughs) but yeah that was what I made but I definitely I think for those bits like the dressing and the green beans and even just this like croutons recipe I feel like I'll end up coming back to it lots for those kind of smaller bits as well not just the larger scale mealy stuff as well I agree I think I probably didn't read it absolutely like word for word all the way through but I think I'm going to go back to it and do that because it just was so it's just so good and I'm definitely won't be lending this out to anyone so don't ask I'll tell Nigel <laughs> he can get his own copy what did you think about I was conscious that it, it seemed like to be very meat first mm in its telling particularly with the salt bit some of the recipes as well yeah I didn't feel it so much in the salt bit because there was a lot of talk about like vegetable stuff and sweeter stuff there Mm. too but the heat bit is very meat focused yeah because it's obviously all about cooking like great steaks and things like that that doesn't really apply when you're you know heating up a corn fillet like (laughs) what what flame you you decide to do that That matters too, though. <laughs> it does. That matters to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I know. But <laughs> I mean, it does. It never bothers me because I still sometimes cook meat for people. And I'm still, even if I mm. don't, I'm interested in the theory about these things because I'm a big old nerd with one friend. So <laughs> it doesn't, it two. <laughs> two friends, sorry. <laughs> it didn't bother me as much. It's not massively veggie friendly, all of it. But I feel like the theory part kind of takes over from that, that there's enough in that for you not feel a bit too hard done by it. Was there anything else that you would have liked to have tried? There was her tart dough. Looks really good. Yeah. She says it's foolproof as well. And I am a fool. So I'll look forward to being tested there. <laughs> There's a pasta with broccoli and breadcrumbs that sounded really nice. Yeah, that was on my yeah list. Yeah. The Persian herb and greens frittata she references quite a lot and she says to eat it alongside them she talks quite a lot about Thai dig that crispy Mm. rice based dish and I think that could be like a really fun thing to make if you were having people over but there's loads yeah there's all the dressings and everything look really good there's like a miso mustard one yeah there's a Japanese sesame one that is something we buy actually and it costs quite a lot of money because it's always imported and I was like oh my god I have to try and make that because if we can make it at home yeah who needs to get it and it's like the best such a Japanese taste so yeah yeah. we're gonna try that one what else pretty much everything 
in the like <laughs> just everything <laughs> pretty much everything in the chicken section i felt like i couldn't decide i chose the pot pie in the end but like everything in there so there's like pan fried chicken there was like a chicken and lentil thing with dates oh and, yeah i saw that and things like that that looked amazing she's a fried chicken recipe like yeah I, I just i just thought all of it was just looked the buttermilk chicken i've heard such good things about the buttermilk chicken like from you know the internet yeah. says it's great i think you you just leave it in buttermilk overnight or something yeah. and then cook it the next day and i bet it's i bet it's yeah. good so it's not like fried or anything because i guess that's how you usually see buttermilk chicken but it's just it's like a roast chicken nice i'm here for this book i loved it <laughs> Shall we rate? Let's rate. I'll talk about our rating and how we rate. Thank you. So- <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Too kind. It's going really well today, guys. So for every book that we talk about on this little podcast, we rate it and it's out of five. And those the five things that we rate it on are the following. Number one, usability and accessibility. Number two, ingredients. Number three, aesthetics. Number four, veggie friendly. And number five, and our most recent addition to this, inspirability. Mm. Did it make us feel happy, excited, inspired? We change the points every episode. So, for example, for Julia Child, we rated out of fireproof casserole dishes. <laughs> she was a big fan. Unsure whether she wants them to be reactable or unreactable. <laughs> we'll never know. Jamie Oliver, we uh, rated out of pictures of Jamie Oliver because there was lots of those. And for Samine, for salt, fat, acid, heat, we are going to <laughs> rate her out of pots of water that are salty like the summer sea. <laughs> It's a real punchy one, this episode, friends. <laughs> we had to do we it. We had to. It's in almost every recipe. <laughs> so, Hannah, how many pans of water sorted as I'm a sea are you going to give salt for acid heat? I think it's very usable and accessible. Obviously, that's the whole premise is that it's making cooking easier. So it would be cruel of me to, to not reward a point for that one. <laughs> Ingredients used, I think, mostly, for the most part, it's pretty easy to find what she's speaking about so one tick there <laughs> just stay with me here friend <laughs> be over soon <laughs> i really need more friends <laughs> aesthetics are lovely inspirability i'm very inspired <laughs> but i'm gonna knock off half a point for veggie friendliness because as we said it's not it, it, there is a meat focus and i have to take the half a point off somewhere <laughs> I'm getting too nice with this shit. So I'm going to give it four and a half pans of water that's salted like the summer sea. <laughs> it does make you think about holidays, which, you know, made me feel a number of emotions because who's been on a holiday <laughs> since 2019? Not me. Yeah, I know what you mean. When you watch the show, it makes you really want to go to Italy. And that's, oh my God, the bit where they're making the focaccia. Oh my God. I yes. watch that scene all day. Focaccia in general, and then it's that Ligurian focaccia and the way that they're like so carefully pressing the bread and it's just made with such love and the beautiful olive oil. Oh my God, I cry. <laughs> but anyway, how are you going to rate the book, Victoria? Uh, yeah, literally almost exactly the same as you. Felt exactly the same way. I, in preparation for this recording, actually took a whole point off for veggie friendliness. Oh! But if you're telling me it only deserves half a point, then I will amend that. Reading through and looking at the recipes, I felt like it was quite meat heavy. Yeah. Um, you know, do, do you want to invest in this book if a lot of the things you can't cook but on the other hand like you said some of the mm-hmm. techniques are really really universal and she does talk about vegetables and fish and um, yeah. beans and things like that so <laughs> that's all we've got vegetables 
and beans. That's it, isn't it? That's what you eat. So you tell me. So it could be a four, it could be a four and a half. Well, I give you a painstaking breakdown <laughs> of my rating on a criteria basis. So you will remember that I give it half points. So I think it's fine. And I'm just having a breakdown. <laughs> like that chicken. <laughs> I was trying to give the breakdown to the chicken, gave it to myself. So we're we saying four and a half? Are we? Yeah. <laughs> saying four and a half. We're saying four and a half. We'll say four and a half. Pants of water, salty as the summer sea. <laughs> well, I think Samin would be happy with that. Do you think? Don't know. She'll never listen. <laughs> That's the spirit. <laughs> Shall we talk about our next book? Yes. Yes. So we will be doing another book. <laughs> this isn't the end of it. <laughs> the series hasn't been cancelled by the network yet. It might be by the beef lobby after the Epicurious chat. The beef lobby. That name of the week. <laughs> Let's bring it back. Next episode, we have another book. And this is an interesting book, actually. Well, I don't know if it's an interesting book, so I don't have it yet. Let's be honest, the title could have done with a bit more work. It gives you all it needs to give you. So next episode's book is Thai Food. That's the name of it. That's the name of the book. And it's by David Thompson. It doesn't sound Thai, which I'm I'm intrigued to learn more about his knowledge in the area. Yeah, me too. What is your knowledge in the area, David Thompson? (laughs) It's also like, I don't know when this book was um, released, but what my question is, (laughs) is this, was it, um, was it pre the internet because googling the word the words Thai food does not automatically bring up David's book there's SEO on that he needs an SEO expert but honestly uh, when we were doing the list and this Thai food one came up it was not what I was expecting it's up there with the Simon Hopkinson I hadn't heard of much at the time but as you said we've seen him in many places since we he's everywhere lurking under the surface (laughs) yeah we weren't really aware of him but this was definitely one of the ones on the list that I had never heard or never came across before but people seem to like it so yeah it's really it's really high up yeah I'm I'm quite excited I don't know much about Thai food and who knows whether I will after this book but it's not a French book so that's exciting (laughs) I think the dairy is going to be minimal here for you very little (laughs) butter and cream you'll have had a two book break from that now yeah and then I'll be back with a vengeance I'm sure a vengeance as they say right before we go we should just mention that all of the recipes if we can find them online will be on our website thecookbookcircle.com I don't know how many we'll be able to find from Sort for Acid Heat because it's newer but we'll do our very best for you dear listener and from the website you can sign up to our email newsletter yes choo choo all over the newsletter (laughs) we're gonna do more emails so you can sign up on the website as well as checking out the recipes but thank you for listening Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Cookbook Circle. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review as it helps others to find us. You can see how the recipes from this episode turned out on our Instagram at Cookbook Circle. And if you make anything from the books we talk about, please don't forget to tag us. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 